0: It's Wednesday, March 16th. I'm Sarah Wykim. Relief from high fuel prices could be on the way as a gas tax holiday moves a step closer to reality. A new state program would allow Maryland job seekers without college diplomas to fill more vacant jobs. State lawmakers want to pull pension fund investments from Russia. Maryland must work toward being carbon neutral by 2045 under a bill passed along party lines this week. And Baltimore's Office of Homeless Services looks to keep hotels available as non-congregate shelters. It's The Daily Dose from WYPR, our latest reporting on Maryland's COVID-19 response, and the local news of the day, made possible by GBMC Healthcare. Starting with our state legislative roundup, a bill that would provide Marylanders temporary relief from skyrocketing gas prices has moved a step closer to reality as both chambers of the General Assembly gave preliminary approval to matching bills. WYPR's Joel McCord
1: reports. The bills establish a 30-day gas tax holiday and contain provisions directing the state comptroller's office to reimburse gas stations for taxes paid on fuel that's already in their storage tanks. The House approved it without debate, but Senate Republicans tried to add language to repeal a 2013 measure that ties the tax to the rate of inflation. Senator Mike Huff, Frederick County. If we really want to help consumers, let's not give them a 30-day holiday and then raise their gas tax. Let's get rid of the automatic gas tax increase. Senate President Bill Ferguson said the tax helps pay for the state's transportation projects. The bills are to come up for final votes tomorrow. I'm Joel McCord, WYPR News.
0: The Court of Appeals has postponed Maryland's primary election from June 28th to July 19th. There is currently a court challenge to the legislative redistricting map the General Assembly passed this year. The court has scheduled a hearing on that case for next Wednesday, March 23rd. The court extended the filing deadline to 9 p.m. April 15th. It's the second time that deadline has been moved because of legal challenges to the map. The General Assembly moved yesterday to pull state pension fund money from investments in Russia. WYPR's Joel McCord reports.
1: Both houses gave preliminary approval to bills to divest from Russia, but not without some controversy in the House. Delegate Mark Fisher, a Calvert County Republican, wanted a provision to pull investments from China as well, citing that country's treatment of Uyghur Muslims. But we also have this opportunity, ladies and gentlemen, to divest from a country that actually is engaging in atrocities that are almost unheard of, it's disgusting. Delegate Kirill Resnick, the Montgomery County Democrat sponsoring the bill, called the amendment a bad idea because no one had done the math on how that would affect the pension fund. We are focused right now on one thing on this bill, and that is Russia invading Ukraine. We are trying to choke off An invading force financially. All 47 senators signed on to their version of the bill. I'm Joel McCord, WYPR News.
0: A comprehensive climate bill that aims to make Maryland carbon neutral by 2045 passed through the Senate along mostly party lines last night. WYPR's Callant Hansel Suddeth has more. The bill's extensive measures include monitoring methane emissions from landfills and mandating all new state buildings to be carbon neutral. Republican Whip Justin Reedy of Carroll County argued the bill doesn't offer enough proof of impact to justify the cause. The Department of Legislative Services says the bill will cause spending to increase by $18.7 million annually from fiscal years 2024 through 2026. There's no benefit to doing this. It's just going to raise energy prices. There's no benefit to the overall climate uh, or to the climate crisis. It's not going to impact it. It will make us all pay more for energy, including the people who can least afford it. But the lead sponsor, Prince George's County Senator Paul Pinsky, a Democrat, said the legislation is imperative to Maryland's future.
1: If we care about our future commerce, about our transportation quality of life, we have to take these steps. Again, we can join that momentum forward or we can get in the way.
0: The bill now heads to the House of Delegates. Alan tansel Suddeth, WYPR News. Maryland's COVID-19 positivity rate is at 1.51 percent as of this morning. The positivity rate went up slightly on Tuesday, but is edging back down. Today's rate is still higher than Monday's, by about 0.1 percent. 215 people in Maryland are hospitalized due to COVID, which is 10 fewer than yesterday. Governor Larry Hogan announced a program Tuesday that would make people without four-year college degrees eligible for more state jobs. Callan Hansel Suddeth reports. The partnership with DC-based nonprofit organization Opportunity at Work will market state roles to people skilled through alternative routes, a group Hogan has dubbed STARS.
1: Through these efforts that we're launching today, we are ensuring that qualified, non-degree candidates are regularly being considered for these career-changing opportunities.
0: Hogan said the Department of Budget and Management estimates more than half of the current 38,000 state jobs could be performed by someone fitting this description. A central goal of the initiative is to address labor shortages caused by COVID-19.
1: And STARS represent an untapped pool for employers and a potential long-term solution to these shortages and to other labor challenges like the skills gap.
0: 300 vacant jobs have been posted online. Callan tansel Sedith WYPR News. Baltimore City State's Attorney Marilyn Mosby has announced the launch of an interactive crime data dashboard. It will allow the public to monitor prosecutors' work in real time. During a Tuesday press conference, Mosby also released the findings of a 52-page report providing conviction rates, community engagement efforts, policy milestones, victim and witness services. Mosby, who is facing federal indictment, had no comment on her re-election plans. Lexington Market will receive $4.9 million in federal pandemic relief funding, Baltimore officials announced today. The money will go toward redevelopment costs. WYPR's Emily Sullivan reports. The redevelopment of Lexington Market kicked off shortly before the pandemic, which paused construction and led to spikes in supplies and labor costs. Mayor Brandon Scott says the money will complete food stall buildouts and maintain minority vendor participation. Black ownership of the market stalls is set to increase from 5 percent to nearly 50 percent. More than 45 merchants will call the market home, from longtime staples such as Fadley Seafood and Super Fried Chicken to newcomers such as TOG's Empanadas. Seawall is overseeing the redevelopment, which involves a new market building and a pedestrian mall. They are set to open this fall. Emily Sullivan, WYPR News. Baltimore County Councilwoman Kathy Bevins says she will not run for a fourth term. Bevins became embroiled in a legal controversy when she moved out of her district. W.Y. Parish John Lee reports.
1: Bevins came under fire last year after it was discovered she had moved out of her council district. She then moved back after discovering that violated the county charter. But Bevins says that had nothing to do with her decision to not run. She cited health issues and has grown weary of being attacked on social media.
0: And it's people that don't even know you. You know, I mean, look, if you want to say hateful things about me, at least get to know me. You know, and then say them. <laughs> you know, what I mean? just you know, don't hate because I'm a Democrat.
1: Community College of Baltimore County Professor John Deedy says the residency controversy would have made it tough for Bevins to win again. Two Democrats and one Republican currently are in the race for Bevins' sixth district seat. The deadline to file to run is April 15th. John Lee, WIPR News.
0: Baltimore City repurposed several hotels as non-congregate homeless shelters during the pandemic. While emergency restrictions are lifting, the city will continue to use hotel shelters as a resource going forward. (laughs) The Marriott Fairfield Inn by the Baltimore Shot Tower is one of five hotels that have served as non-congregate shelters during COVID. Known as Pinderhue's Women's Shelter, there are 145 rooms, one for each resident. Stacy Walton is the director of this shelter. She says no two days are the same, but her regular duties include making sure all the rooms are clean, connecting residents with health resources, and tasting the food the residents will be eating.
1: But I make sure that they don't eat anything that we wouldn't eat. Um, so we take pride in that, making sure
0: that they have warm um, meals. Lunch on this day is turkey sandwiches and chips. Breakfast was sausages and boiled eggs. Walton says residents usually take their food up to their rooms and they try to maintain certain pandemic guidelines. There's a four-person limit in the elevator, which means a bit of waiting for the residents who stop and talk with Walton. One of them has good personal news. I'll be leaving soon.
1: I know, I heard. With
0: Walton says she tries to create a sense of community for the residents.
1: Just because you're homeless doesn't mean that you can't be able to enjoy. And so our number one priority is safety, but we try to make sure that they feel whole while they're here.
0: Every week, they gather for town halls in the lobby where staff can address
1: questions or
0: concerns about the shelter.
1: bingo, karaoke, we do movie nights, we do football Sundays. For holidays, we try to have big meals like um,
0: Easter, Thanksgiving. They also celebrate birthdays each month. There's cake, and they vote on a resident and staff member of the month who win gift cards and certificates. They also have what Walton calls a wall of fame photos of former residents who were able to get rehoused pasted on the windows. This isn't the conventional model of a shelter. Before COVID, the city relied on congregate shelters, where people share bathrooms and sleep side by side. Irene Augustin, the director of the mayor's office of homeless services, says those traditional shelters aren't going away. But when it comes from a you know having to deal with a public health crisis, congregate is not the safest mm-hmm. um, way to do it. Angela McCauley is the emergency services coordinator at the office of homeless services. McCauley says there was an increase in shelter referrals when COVID first hit Maryland, and that's probably not a coincidence. She says that there are more families and women seeking shelter too.
1: Impact of people uh, being unable to work and have, you know, secure employment or you know some form of uh, income, so they're unable to be able to you know keep a roof over top of their head.
0: Baltimore Mayor Brandon Scott announced last month that the city is purchasing two hotels to use post-COVID using about $45 million in American Rescue Plan Act funding. The five hotels currently operating were supported through FEMA money, set to expire in April. Augustine says the hotels will be closed in a phased process. We don't want to return people to the street in a very jarring manner. Uh, we have to be very thoughtful in terms of being able to focus on rehousing, being thoughtful in terms of our capacity. About 2,200 people were experiencing homelessness as of January 2020, according to the city's latest data. Augustine says she believes that since then, that number has gone up. A great challenge lying ahead for her office is moving more city residents out of the cycle of homeless shelters and into permanent housing. We're always happy to hear from you, and we'll be here for you again on Friday. The Daily Dose is brought to you by WYPR, made possible by GBMC Healthcare. Big thanks to my news team colleagues, Rachel Bay, John Lee, Joel McCord, Emily Sullivan, and Callan Tanzel-Sauddard. Our digital content director is Jamila Kremple, and our general manager is LaFontaine Oliver. The executive editor of The Daily Dose is Danielle Irby. Stay healthy, stay sane, and stand together. I'm Sarah Y. Kim, thanks for listening.